Welcome to another message from the teaching team at Elevation Church Australia. For more information about our church, service times and locations, visit elevationchurch.com.au. series today that we're concluding called As It Is In Heaven. And it's been a series leading up to Easter, which is next week, Good Friday, Resurrection Sunday. And we've just been looking at the foundations of why Easter. Like, why Easter? We need to know some things before we understand why Easter was so important and what it was that Jesus did for us at the cross, why he needed to come, and all those types of things. We started in week one, and we looked at creation. And the story of creation reveals to us that we were created for God's glory. Created for God's glory. Along the way, though, something happened called the fall. Week two, we looked at the fall where we uh, were made to be this glorious representation of Christ. But because of one person, one man, sin entered the world and this thing called uh, the fall happened. And we're now separated from a relationship with God. Week three, which was last week, uh, my good friend, Pastor Josiah Wall from, our, uh, from the Waco in Tamworth. Hey, we've got some people who used to be from Tamworth here this morning. Let's give those guys a big clap down the back there. Uh, he spoke about redemption and how Jesus came and he is going to one day redeem all of creation back to himself, but he has redeemed mankind back to himself so that we can now enter into a relationship with God. And we're going to talk more next week, uh, Good Friday. We're going to do communion together, uh, Resurrection Sunday. Uh, we're going to have baptisms. Today is Palm Sunday, the day we remember Jesus entering into Jerusalem. Uh, and I pray that Jesus has entered into your heart, into your life, and if he hasn't, I'm going to give you an opportunity at the end of my message to invite Jesus into your life, to let him be your Lord and Savior. But we're going to talk more about the Easter message and what Jesus did for us at the cross. But today, I want to talk about where does this leave us now? So, so where does it leave us? Creation, the fall, redemption, the Easter message. Where are we now in God's plan for humanity? My message is entitled today, Future Now. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. What an honor it is to know you, to, to, to imagine that you would come to earth to die for us on the cross, that you would redeem us back to yourself. We are so, so thankful and so grateful. I pray that our lives would be a reflection of that, Lord Jesus. There would be an outward reflection of an inward connection, Jesus, that we have with you. So bless the rest of our time this morning. I pray you speak to us through your scriptures and through your word. In Jesus' mighty name, everyone said? Amen. Come on, everyone said? Amen. Amen. I grew up in the 80s and the 90s, and you're probably looking at me and you're like, man, you, you, you must have grown up in the 2000s or something along those lines. I grew up in the 80s and the 90s. A couple of people laughing too much in the middle here this morning. And they're young people, of course. I grew up in the 80s and the 90s, and there was this really popular TV show, and it was called Beyond 2000. Does anyone remember that TV show? Beyond 2000, and it was a TV show that was talking about all the innovations that would occur beyond 2000. And a lot of it was technology, and it was things like uh, self-driving cars. And we're kind of close to that one, maybe. Uh, then the next one, which was never happened, flying cars. We're a long, long way away from that. There was like robots that would do all our housework for us. I'm still praying for that robot to come along so I can stop doing all the housework I do around the home. 
come on, robot, Mr. Robot. Uh, you know, there would be these special machines that would, would just say, I want, you know, cordon bleu steak or whatever it is, and it would just make it for us, and it would be amazing. All these types of things that would happen beyond 2000. And I can remember as a young, a young teenager, 13 years of old, just being fascinated by, wow, what's life going to be like beyond 2000? What is life going to be like in the future, it's going to be so, so amazing. What's it going to have in store for me, the future? Have you ever wondered about your future? Have you ever stopped to take a moment to pause and think, I wonder where I'm going to be in X number of years? I wonder what uh, it's going to look like. How's my future going to be, be tracking? Like, where am I going to be? And how, what, what might be in store for, for me? Uh, for some of us, especially the older that we get, that might be a scary thing to do, right? To think about our future, because maybe, oh, there's not, not a lot, there's one person laughing. <laughs> All the older people just got real serious. Because there's, there's less time, right? There's less time for us to do what we want to do. If we're a little bit younger, we, we might be like, oh, the, the future, like it's so far ahead of us. It's like it's so far away from us. I don't even need to think about it. Well, can I tell you, I was once a young boy looking at Beyond 2000, looking at my future. I feel like my future came and went and here I am. It's going to come quickly. Don't think it won't come. But you know, for, for the Christian, I think that sometimes we don't think about this enough. Sometimes we don't take a moment to pause, to ponder, to reflect on what is the, the future for the Christian. What future does God has for, have for us? When Christ left and ascended to heaven, what did he have in store for us? What was the future that he wanted for the believers who followed him? And so today I want to briefly touch on this topic to understand where we currently sit in God's timeline for humanity and also to talk about the future to come as well for us as believers. And so currently we're in a place that I'm calling for this message, Future Now. Turn to the person next to you and say, Future Now. To understand Future Now, we have to go back to week one and we, we go back to creation and in week one, we talked about creation, how the first chapter of the Bible describes the creation story. And it begins with God. He separates the light from the darkness. And he calls that day. And he says it is good. And then the rest of the chapter is, is describing God creating the, the plants and the trees and the sun and the moon and the stars in the sky. And then uh, the animals on the lands and the sky and uh, uh, on, the, on the lands and all those types of things and trees and plants. And then finally he creates man and woman. He creates humanity and he sits back and he says, it's good. It's good. Uh, the earth that I've created, all of this physical creation that I've made, it is good. And then he, uh, after he creates the man and the woman, he gives them the following blessing and the following command. If you've got your Bibles, it's Genesis 1.28. God blessed them and he said to them, Be fruitful and increase, increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the earth. At creation, what did Jesus instruct? Sorry, what did God instruct uh, man and woman? What command did He give to them? He said to them, Be fruitful and increase in numbers, procreate, fill the earth with other humans, and then He said, Subdue and rule over the earth. All of creation I've given to you, rule over it, take dominion. Uh, you know, you are to subdue it. And so that was the original purpose that God gave us. The original purpose was for us to do that. 
Some of us are doing a better job of that. You know, we've got more kids than other kids, and some of us don't. But that was the original purpose that God gave him, to be in relationship with him and to rule over the earth. Well, we know the rest. We've talked about it. The fall occurs, right? Adam and Eve, they, 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 they eat of the fruit that they should not have eaten, and then sin enters the world, and pain and suffering arrives. Disease and heartbreak and all types of things enter the world that was never meant to enter the world. Evil. And then also there's redemption that comes, the restoration to, to God through Jesus Christ. And we now have a relationship with Him. With him. But, but where does that leave us now? What's our mandate now from God? What has God given us now to do throughout the earth? Scriptures tell us very clearly in Matthew 28, 16 to 20. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. This is after the resurrection of Christ. Then Jesus came to them and he said, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. I want to tell you today, church, if you are going through something, Pastor Gabby already mentioned, if you are going through something, there is a name above all names. His name is Jesus. He's been given all authority on heaven and earth. You just need to call on his name. He is your answer. All authority has been given me on heaven and earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. If the original command that God gave to us in the Garden of Eden was to subdue the earth, to take dominion, to procreate the task for redeemed men and women. That is us. Jesus has redeemed us. Our task is to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and teaching them to obey the commands of God. That's our task that God has given to us now. The Great Commission is the unfinished task of the church. We must give our lives to complete us. So I often ask myself, I wonder what I'll be doing in the future. I look ahead to when I'm 60 years of age, which is only 15 years away for, for, for your information. And I think to myself, I wonder what I'll be doing. Like I hope I'm retired, kicking back on a beach in Bali, sipping pina coladas, my beautiful wife next to me. Uh, I don't know, you know, doing something along those lines. I don't know what it might be, you know. Where will I be living? What will I be doing? Will I have got my farm? Chilling out. It's a song, I want to be a cowboy. So you can be my cowgirl. Anyway, I haven't heard that one in a long time. What will I be doing? What will my kids be up to? Will I have grandkids by then, you know? Will I have little scallywags running around the house, you know? And, 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 and all those types of things. What will be happening? Who will be leading this church? All natural questions for us to ask, right? Here's a question I don't need to ask. What will God have for me? That's a question I don't need to ask because the question is the same then as it is now. The answer is the same then as it is now. God's future now for me, God's future now for you is to tell people about the good news, to tell them about Jesus Christ, how He came for them, to set them free from where they are now, to bring them into a relationship with God, for them to obey Him and for them to be baptized. That's the same story as it is now, as it is going to be in the future. See, when Jesus made that statement, it was a future statement at the time that He made it. But guess what? We're living in that future. 
that future is now for us. And so God, Jesus has called us to live in that future now. And so I may no longer be a pastor in 15, 20, 25 years, 30, 40. I might not even be here in 40 years. But anyway, the Great Commission will still be the Great Commission. My children will carry on the Great Commission. Your grandkids will carry on the Great Commission. It's the same story for us. Jesus is Lord and He came to save us, redeem us, set us free and make us new creation. I love what A.W. Tozer says. He says, this, the Great Commission is not a job for a few but a responsibility for all. Can I tell you today, it's not just a job for those in the ministry. It's not just a job for pastors, priests, or ministers. It's a job for all Christians. Every one of us, Jesus called all of us to go make disciples to all the nations of the earth. So today, how do we do this? How do we let people know about Jesus? Well, it's very simple. I've got two uh, short thoughts that I want to share with you this morning. If you're taking notes, why don't you write these down? My first thought is this. Number one, tell people what God has done for you. Tell people what God has done for you. There's a story in the Bible where Jesus goes to a region called the Gerasenes. And as he enters that region, he comes across a man who was demon-possessed. And this was a man who had evil spirits that would possess him at different times. And the town where he lived and the people that he grew up with, at times they put chains on him to try to restrict his movements. And uh, the demon would possess him and he would cut, break those chains. And he, scriptures say that he roamed the countryside naked. And at the moment that Jesus meets him, he's living in a cemetery. Can I tell you, this guy's got problems. He's got issues in his life. And Jesus comes along and straight away he identifies what's going on. And there's some conversation back and forth between Jesus and these demons that are called legion. The scriptures we believe that maybe there were so many demons in this man's life. And Jesus comes, intercepts his life, intercepts him right where he is in the cemetery. See, he doesn't wait for him to come to church. He goes to where he is, he intercepts him and he says, hey, spirits come out of this man. And the spirits, the scriptures say, leave him and Jesus sets him free and his life is changed. He's transformed. I don't know, your life today, maybe your life's been transformed by Jesus. I don't know if you had a demon, but God changed your life, set you free this morning. As of this man, his life is changed. And then the scriptures say that he's kind of like, what should I do now? What should I do now? And he says to Jesus, hey, Jesus, I want to join your crew, your disciples and follow you around. And this is what Jesus says to him. In Luke 8, 39, Jesus said, Return home and tell how much God has done for you. Return home and tell how much God has done for you. So the man went away and told all over town how much Jesus had done for him. The man wanted to join the disciples and go, on a crusade somewhere else and, you know, a missionary trip. But Jesus said to him, stay where you are, where there are people who knew you before you knew me, before I set your life free and tell your story. Hey, you remember me? I'm the crazy guy. I'm the guy that when you walk down the streets with your children, you cross the other side of the road. I'm the guy that lived in the tomb. But guess what? I encountered a man. His name was Jesus. He called out the devils inside of me and he put his Holy Spirit in me. He set me free. I'm a transformed man. I want to introduce you to him. The starting point of the Great Commission is always telling people what God has done for you. 
And look, there is so much more to the gospel message than that. I'm not going to say there isn't. There's a whole heap of stuff we need to know. But it starts at that simple point. This is my story. And this is where Christ's story intersected with my life. And this is the transformation he has done in me. Today, I've got a couple of questions we can ask ourselves to help us to tell our story. Some of these questions are things like this. What did Jesus do for you? Where were you when his story intersected with your story? What was happening in your life? Uh, How has your life changed since you met Jesus? What is different now? See, these are questions we can ask. And as we answer those questions, they become the story that we tell someone. Hey, I was here. This was my life. Someone talked to me about Christ or someone invited me to church or I met someone at work and that they, they, I was going through this. I finally accepted Jesus into my life or however you want to phrase it. And then this is where I am now. I want you to know him as well. Right now, we've got a testimony that I want us to watch on the screen. It's from Pastor Nikki. Uh, you saw her husband, Pastor Luke, just earlier talking about baptisms. But Pastor Nikki, and she's going to share a testimony of how she shared her faith with someone. My journey with Christ began when I was 16 years old and my family and I were walking through a significant season in our life, a very um, traumatic time, I would call it. Um, My mother was diagnosed with paranoid schizophrenia and our world was just turned upside down overnight. And it was a very broken and painful time for me. And I was really just searching for something that would really ease that pain and help me to deal with what was going on. And I started my first job around the same time at a local fish and chip shop. And there I met some beautiful girls, a little bit older than me, that were followers of Jesus. And they invited me along to church eventually. And I said no a bunch of times. And then one day I just said, you know what? Nothing else has worked, so let me give church a go. I went along to uh, a a beautiful church um, of one of my friends in the morning, and I just encountered the the living God. I encountered peace like I'd never known before, joy like I'd never known before that didn't make sense given my situation that was going on at home. It wasn't long before I became part of the youth ministry and a youth leader. And by the time I was about 17 or 18, I got given my very first life group. I had been a result of somebody reaching out and and touching me with the gospel message. And so I wanted to do something with my year seven and eight girls that would help facilitate that. And so I got this idea one day to approach a local nursing home in, in, in our city and to just ask them how we could serve them. And what they said to me was, you know what, a lot of these residents that are here, they don't have any family, they don't have any friends, they don't have really any visitors, and they're very lonely. And what would be really helpful and really amazing would be if you girls just come and talk to them, just play cards and paint their nails and have a great time with them. It would mean the world to them that they had a visitor. And so that's what we started doing. We would have life group one week, the following week we would go and visit the nursing home residents. And we would have a blast, it was loads of fun, they would come alive. Um, And through my time there at the nursing home, I actually met a gentleman named Jack. And Jack had had a stroke and uh, he he was quite young actually, he was only in his 60s. He had a stroke and he was paralyzed on one side of his body and he was wheelchair bound. 
And so he spent a lot of his time in his room. He spent a lot of time isolated away from the other, other, other residents. And he was very, I guess, depressed and, and, and low. And so I reached out to Jack and we soon made a friendship. We were good friends with one another. And I started talking to him about God and about church and how God had changed my life. And initially he wasn't very interested, but soon, you know, with enough relationship and enough sort of chatting and interest in his life, he began to open up his heart to the possibility that God might be real. Eventually I invited him along to church and he said no a bunch of times, but eventually he said yes. We organized a disability taxi to bring him along and, um, and he loved it. He loved the community, he enjoyed it. And so he came back the next week and he came back the next week and he came back the next week and finally he came to a point where he was ready to accept Jesus as his Lord and Saviour and he raised his hand and he, he accepted that the, the Jesus was his Lord and it was just blessed my heart to find him in the nursing home with his Bible open and he wanted to have Bible discussions with me and you know he just came alive. You know shortly after Jack got a miracle in his family life his family lived quite a while away and he was disconnected from them but God did an amazing miracle in reconnecting him with his family that he was estranged from and he eventually moved from where I was and moved to be closer to them and it was just such a joyous occasion to see that that miracle that God brought him and to see him flourishing in his Christian walk. I'm so grateful that God brought Jack across my path and that I was able to influence him into a relationship with Jesus. It was just such a privilege to be a part of that man's journey and his walk. And I look forward to those that God puts in my, in my path now that I might play a small part or a big part in uh, seeing them experience the love and uh, the power of God and to see the kingdom of God expanded throughout Cairns. Uh, and across our nation as part of the Elevation Network. It's just such a privilege. What a great story. I love that someone invited her to church and then she went out and did the same thing for someone else, that man, Jack. Come on, let's give God praise. People give their lives to Jesus. It's an amazing, amazing thing. So number one, we tell people what God has done for us. And then number two is always be ready to tell people about Jesus. Always be ready to tell people about Jesus. You never know when the topic of religion is going to come up. You never know when someone is going to come to you, a family member, a friend, maybe a work colleague, I don't know, someone that you've known for a long time is going to come to you with some issues that they are facing in life. You never know when you will have to give a reason for why you have faith in and believe in Jesus. So we need to always be ready to give a reason to tell people about Jesus. We've got to be ready. 1 Peter 3.15. Now, if you don't believe me, come on, surely you believe Peter. He says this, But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. And then he says this, Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. He says, always be ready to give an answer for the reason for the hope. Who is the hope that we have, church? The hope we have is Jesus. Always be ready to give a reason for the hope that we have. Peter, Peter encourages, he says, be prepared to tell people why Jesus is your hope. Can I tell you, we live in a world with many different religions, 
many different philosophies, many different worldviews, and all of them are pulling, pulling people in different directions. And so we need to be able to say why we believe Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and he is our hope. And there's questions we have to be able to answer, and we need to have reasons. See, here, here's the thing. If you can't state why you believe in Jesus, how are you going to be able to tell someone else why they need Jesus? Right? Like, if I can't tell you why I believe in Jesus, how can I convince someone else that they need to give their life to Jesus as well? And there's some questions we can ask ourselves to help us to be ready to tell people about Jesus. Why do we believe in Jesus? What have you experienced that convinces you He is the way, the truth, and the life? How did you encounter Him? What does Jesus offer that other religions don't offer? And we need to have answers to those things so that we can be ready to tell people about Jesus at any moment, at any time, no matter where we might be. We might be in the fish and chip shop. We might be at a, uh, a nursing home, wherever we might be in the workplace with our families to tell people about Jesus. If the keys could come, that would be great. So that's the future now for the Christian. Turn to the person next to you and say, that's the future now. That's the future now for the Christian. It's the Great Commission. The Great Commission. But there's another future that will one day come. There's another future that is one day coming. And I don't know when it is. I don't know the time that it is. It could be in six weeks. It could be in six months. It could be in five years. It could be in 50 years. It could be in 500 years. I don't know when the time is. But I want to let you know there's another future that is coming. Another future that is coming for all of creation, that is coming for all Christians and followers of Jesus Christ. And I'm not talking about the day when we die and we go to a place called heaven. I'm, I'm talking about something else. I'm talking about the day when God is going to remake everything. He's going to make everything anew. He's going to make everything new. Again, a new heavens and a new earth, the Scriptures have told us. And there's a ton of stuff that's going to happen before that occurs. Heaps of different things that are going to uh, happen. You know, there's, there's going to be lots of different things. There's going to be the tribulation. There's going to be the rise of an antichrist. Lots of different things. There's going to be uh, the return of Jesus. There's going to be the rapture. And, you know, we could, we could talk for hours, pre-tribulation, post-tribulation, whatever, you know, all, whatever your end time theology is. There's going to be the final judgment where God will judge every person who's ever lived, ever existed. It's going to be a long judgment, I reckon. It's going to go for a long time. You think church on Sunday goes for ages. Man, wait till you wait in that judgment hall. It's like, oh, Dave's having his judgment now. This could go for a long time. Nah, I'm joking. <laughs> Love you, man. All these things are going to happen. But then after these events, after these things happen, after all those things have occurred, after, you know, after the night comes, the morning arrives, after all those things, our future comes, God's glorious final plan. The future will come. It will be revealed. Revelation 21 verse 1. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne say, Look, God's dwelling 
place is now among the people and He will dwell with them. They will be His people and God Himself will be there with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old things have passed away. The old is gone, the new has come. There is a new future to come that God has for us. What is the future to come for the Christian? It's a new heaven and a new earth. It's the ultimate fruition of God's future for those who follow Him. See, in the now, when we die, we go to a place called that we call heaven. It's a place in the presence of God, but it's a place where we are not connected to our physical body anymore. We are in there in a spiritual realm and it's a great place, but can I let you know that's not where God intends for us to spend our eternity. See, we're not going to be Casper the friendly ghost for all of eternity. We're not just going to be bobbing around as spiritual beings for the rest of eternity. See, I believe the scripture said that God made us what? Spirit, soul, and body. He made us with the body. He created the body. The body's not bad. The body's okay. He created the body. See, the future to come, the earth is remade. And Scripture tells us that God will go from where He is currently in heaven and He will leave that place and He comes down to dwell on the new earth. And this is not an allergy, an, an analogy. This is not metaphorical. This is a real physical, literal, I can touch the, the dirt and the grass, I can smell the roses, I can see the animals and the trees. It's a real physical place. I see in the heaven to come as a physical, real place, guess what? We're going to have physical, real bodies. And I don't know all, how all of it works. I don't know everything about it. But the Scriptures, and if you want the passages, I'll give them to you. I don't have time to go through all of them, but it's in the Bible. We'll have glorified bodies. Glorified bodies. I mean, if you think you look good now, wait till you're, in, wait till you're on the new earth. Glorified bodies. If we're going to enjoy earth, there's going to be no more sin or suffering, no more disease or pain. Who would, who would, who's looking forward to a future of no more no more disease or suffering or pain. Who's looking to a future where there's no more lies of the accuser trying to tell you you're not good enough? Who's looking to a future where you're no longer held by the addictions or what it might be, the sin in your life? Come on, free from sin. The lamb's going to sleep with the lion. We're going to be in God's continuous presence. It's going to be an amazing place. That's the future to come. The presence of God walking upon His creation that He has made, all things made new. But our future now is to ensure that we tell people about Jesus so that they too can know the Saviour, so that they too can follow Him, so they too can obey His commandments, so that they too can know Him and experience Him and experience the future to come one day for all those who believe in Jesus Christ. If you close your eyes this morning, God's called us to the Great Commission. 